Welcome to the In The Clouds podcast. In The Clouds is a marketing cloud podcast powered by Lev, the most influential marketing-focused Salesforce consultancy in the world. Lev is customer experience obsessed, and podcast hosts Bobby Tishy and Cole Fisher have partnered with some of the world's most well-known brands to help them master meaningful one-on-one connections with their customers. In this podcast, they'll combine strategy and deep technical expertise to share best practices, how-tos, and real-life use cases and solutions for the world's top brands using Salesforce products today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to day two of Ultraviolet. We hope you all had a great first day yesterday. For the next 30 minutes or so, we're going to have a live Q&A with three of the dumbest people at Lev. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to create more questions from your questions as we jump through. Uh, my name is Bobby Tishy. I'm a consultant here at Lev. Uh, I've been at, uh, in the MarTech space for about a dozen years and uh, have the honor of working with Cole and Steven as well. Um, Cole, would you mind doing a brief intro? Sure. Um, Cole Fisher, I'm based out of Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, I've been at Lev for over four years. Prior to that, I came from services side at Salesforce Marketing Cloud and uh, been in the digital space here for about 15 years myself. So, Stephen? Yeah, thank you, Cole. Good morning or good afternoon to everyone here in the UK who may be tuning in with their sandwiches. Um, I'm Stephen Mansfield. I work as a solution architect here in the Lev UK team. I've got around about 10 years of Salesforce Marketing Cloud experience um, and I've been here at Lev for around about just a year now. Uh, we've got the first one in already. So uh, we are a pediatric healthcare organization that wants to implement appointment confirmations if they're attending, et cetera, both through email studio and mobile connect. Any suggestions? Uh, Steven, I'll kick that one over to you. Yeah, I love it. Um, so first thing that comes to mind is obviously kind of making sure that we have timely data for this one. So making sure that we can kick out those messages um, in a timely manner as soon as we have um, either the information that drives that appointment, um, you know, date and time, or it can be scheduled uh, at an appropriate time in advance of that meeting. And so I'm looking at applications like Automation Studio and Journey Builder to make sure that we are leveraging the right data at the right time um, to kick out that message. But in terms of the mechanics of um, the response for whether someone would be attending, yeah, I like the idea of, of op- operating through email and SMS because, you know, then you have the opportunity to decide which is the appropriate channel for that particular subscriber, maybe based on an explicit preference they've provided or maybe via their previous behavior. Um, you could even try it through one channel and then depending on the response you get, you know, you could fall back to a second option to chase them up. Uh, via email, you're going to be looking at getting them to click through to either a web page that you own yourself, or you can set up a situation in uh, cloud pages where they get directed to a landing page that can then capture the response and send it to either a data extension in marketing cloud or right back to kind of your CRM or any other data source that needs to know about that response, either via, you know, script, API call, etc. Via mobile connect, it's a little bit funkier because you're going to be able to have, uh, you know, track a conversation through SMS. So when they respond, you know, you can then capture the information directly via their text response and then, you know, send an appropriate SMS back to them. Um, So I would look at it that way. I would look at it as, you know, which channel makes more sense for that interaction. 
Um, because it's a quick question with a quick response, SMS jumps out at me as being like quite likely to get um, a, a response, a high response rate there. Um, from a marketing perspective, I don't know if you guys would kind of echo that or. Yeah, I, I think I would, a, a couple of things run through my mind. To that point, I, I would I would play around first with the timing. And so what you may find is <clears throat> for customers who haven't had explicit preferences that, that you've uh, captured, it may be something like, you know, we may send an email, you know, two days before an appointment or something like that. Or we may send the, the SMS like the day before. We may time, play with some of that timing. And so I would I would suggest just sort of, you know, ABN testing some of those timings until we have this stapled down into a more cohesive journey or, or, or we have patterns of behavior that we've collected a little bit that we can rely on. Um, and then another point, too, is uh, I like the idea of, of leveraging interactive email. Uh, for this, where where we're not actually the customer themselves through the experience is not actually leaving the the email itself, and so uh, through cloud pages, as you mentioned, uh, you know, there's a way that that they're they're just seeing the email alone. So of course, this is not not for mobile that I'm talking about, but for email alone, they're not actually leaving the the email itself. They can just you know toggle yes or no, and we're capturing that response um, through cloud pages to a data extension, and we have our information there. So. Yeah, great comment. Yeah. Anything that prompts that quick and easy response so that there's minimal effort for the, for the recipient. Yeah, I'm a big fan of interactive email um, and then having the uh, fallback of cloud pages of having a form since not a, every uh, ISP is supporting interactive email at this point. And then uh, I like the SMS side too. Great. Awesome. What other questions? Just throw them right in the chat. While we're waiting for the next question, Stephen, what's your favorite part of Marketing Club? My favorite, this is actually a question that I like to throw out um, at, at interview as well, because it, it shows a lot of like the experience that you have with Salesforce Marketing Cloud. I think the thing in 10 years of consulting on Marketing Cloud, the thing that changed the game the most was probably synchronized data sources from Salesforce.com into Salesforce Marketing Cloud, because it just made all the data transfer and data requirements super robust and reliable and saved hours and hours and hours trying to figure out flat files and SFTP and things like that. <laughs> awesome. Cole, how about you? Uh, favorite feature of Marketing Cloud? Yeah. Or favorite, uh, or favorite like general differentiator? I feel like I, I already want to give you like the, the beep, like you've taken too long to answer the question. <laughs> we do have our next question as well. We do. So we'll go to the, uh, we'll go to the crew. So we run a car dealership in the UK, which is part of a network. We have a Salesforce marketing cloud account with one business unit and this has served us well, but now another one of our dealership teams want to use our marketing cloud account and they have a different database of customers. Should we purchase a second business unit or add their data and content to ours? What are the pros and cons of this? Cole, I'll let you start. So there's a number of things to consider here. Um, a lot of the times that I'll, I'll generally tell people, if there are different teams and with a different dealership, it sounds like there may be different people, uh, a different marketing team that accesses this. When you have entirely different teams um, and entirely different databases of customers, uh, a lot of the times it makes sense just kind of upfront to have an entirely different business unit. Um, one of the questions that, that, you know, usually will pose is, you know, is there a lot of 
of overlap? Is there going to be like cross marketing between those databases or will there be like shared content? In which case you can still have that to where, you know, there's some crossover between the business units and there can be shared assets. Um, but we've also seen this done where, you know, this is just a hard stop and there is no um, additional business unit, or maybe they don't have the, the budget for another business unit, in which case there are still ways that we can put in, you know, suppression lists and things like that, that we can actually have, um, you know, limited access to people when, when they have, um, you know, different databases of customers within a single business unit. So there's always like rules and permissions that we can apply that can actually help us out there. Um, generally for me, I, I, I like the, the flexibility of having multiple business units because that way you're not you know it's it's easier to consolidate business units later on if there would be like acquisitions or something that would change rather than parsing out some business units and things like that where where then we have you know historical information things like that that we need to worry about that other business units may or may not have access to so i like the idea of going multiple business units generally with the information we have here but that's not necessarily always the case yeah, I think yeah. the I, I think the the designation of less is more is not applicable to business units in marketing cloud. Typically, <laughs> to your point, Cole, you if you're going to go that route, you would rather have things separated. And especially one one uh, consideration to keep in mind too is making sure that the unique identifier between those business units is the same, if at all possible. So whether it's email address or some other kind of unique ID or customer ID, that'll really help too. If at some point in the future you want to share data or combine those business units. Yeah. And I Steven, see you were to say something. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Cool. So just, just real quick and I'll, I'll pass it over to Steven, but a, a lot of the times I, I think the biggest fault that we see, whichever direction you go on this, I think the biggest fault that we see is we solve for immediate problem rather than thinking, you know, the, the two, three, five years down the road type of problem where there may be an acquisition or we may have other, um, you know, other dealerships or something like that join our org and so or or you know other dealerships with you know sales or service cloud things like that so how are we planning for that in the long term and so a lot of the times we're solutioning for the immediate need can we get them into a single business unit well technically yeah you probably can but does it make the most sense for what's going to happen in you know 18 24 months even beyond that yeah yeah i would echo everything you guys have said i'll just come at it from you know with my solution architect hat on um, as well. And I would say a couple of things. Firstly, that, you know, in this particular scenario, reading between the lines, you know, um, if it's, if it's a different a data set, you want to consult internally about the information security policy, you know, that applies uh, in your business to this data, because quite often there will be um, a regulatory or kind of internal policy need to separate those two data sets and make sure they don't cross pollinate. So that could drive a different business unit. And then um, a really kind of spurious extra kind of uh, reason to use different business units would actually be the sender authentication as well. Because if you have completely different branding for two different parts of your business that maybe have two different data sets, um, you can only have one sender authentication per business unit. And so if you wanted to be sending out your emails and having your pages and your images hosted using a different domain that is completely separate to your previous business unit, you would probably need to consider that second business unit to have that separate sender authentication as well. Yeah, that's a great point about branding, especially if it's a different team or how they might be um, communicating or marketing based off of that. Excellent. Right. Again, just keep throwing the questions in the chat as you guys have them. 
Uh, our next question is from a special dummy uh, called Nick Bergrath, <laughs> uh, who happens to work here at Lev. Uh, after Elon Musk, who is your next special guest? I, I assume you're talking about the podcast, Nick. And um, we've had you on a few times, and we'll never do that again. Uh, so uh, I'm not sure who our next special guest should be. Who should we have on, Cole, Stephen? Who would be it's good just, people to have on? It's just Nick's way of inviting himself. He just wants to be the I next think so. <laughs> <laughs> serious answer it's got to be Benioff right oh that'd be a that'd be a good one what did you those, got his number I don't or? know oh yeah we're pals we're actually we don't exchange <laughs> cell phone numbers we're, we're actually pen pals so we're <laughs> write letters yeah this is yeah. kind of a you know inside the um, inside the world of Salesforce but uh, Benioff is huge into calligraphy so, <laughs> he and I really share that passion. That's his next feature in Marketing Cloud. They're going to have the uh, calligraphy studio. Oh, boy. That's it. That'd be something. Yeah, I remember trying. Calligraphy try Cloud. <laughs> It'll be an acquisition. They'll, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll buy someone. They'll rename it Calligraphy Cloud. Uh, awesome. It looks like we got our next one in here. So we've been using Marketing Cloud for five years. We're a retailer in Belgium. Our company has been acquired recently, and our new parent firm has Salesforce Service Cloud. They want us to integrate our Marketing Cloud with their Service Cloud. Does this mean we'll have to switch our unique ID from email address? Will we lose five years of tracking history? Stephen, I'll let you start. I mean, so, yeah, great question. Um I, I would say, firstly, I would say, you know, it makes a huge amount of sense to embrace the um, the adoption and use of Service Cloud and follow kind of standard practice around how, you know, Service Cloud can play with Marketing Cloud through Marketing Cloud Connect and everything it can do for your data and data transfer between the clouds. Um, I would say embrace it because there's so much out of the box that works between Marketing Cloud and, and Salesforce CRM that saves you from developing a huge amount yourselves. Um, what else would I say? I would, you know, the, um, the unique ID, you know, email address doesn't make a great unique ID. Obviously I don't know the, the nuances of why it's been adopted in this um, particular case and it may make sense, but for the most part, you know, if you have email addresses, unique ID, then, and then you allow someone to change their email address, um, or multiple people share the same inbox, for example, particularly in like corporate alias world then, you know, you're going to run into trouble in terms of identifying your individual subscribers and, you know, unsubscribes and tracking and that kind of thing. So changing a unique ID to work with Salesforce Service Cloud, I think, um, is, is a good thing. I'm not going to pretend there isn't a data migration exercise associated with that, but it would be worth doing. And then finally, in terms of the tracking history, um, at, a, at an aggregate level, it'll still be there in Marketing Cloud. You'll be able to go back a year and say on this newsletter that we sent out, you know, we had an open rate of 30%. You know, that'll be there. But obviously, you won't be able to retarget the people who opened it or clicked it because that, that information will have changed. So what you might want to do is firstly export all of the tracking information out of Marketing Cloud into a different system, whether that be your internal data warehouse or whether that be, you know, um, a Datarama, a Tableau, something like that so that you can interrogate it at a later date and then consider boiling it up to, to give you like for each customer that you're migrating their key, like what was their last open date, their last click date, how many opens or clicks do they have in the last year, boil that information up into three or four data points that you actually need to trigger off your campaigns. 
and then store that in marketing cloud and use that data point that doesn't rely on the underlying tracking data because you've already aggregated it and then use that until such point as you've kind of built up an, uh, enough of a history using the new ID. So that's what I'd say. Yeah, I completely agree. I think one one thing you mentioned that we've seen a lot more customers do and we started to recommend is to not leverage the native tracking capabilities within Marketing Cloud. You know, leverage a data rama or a data lake or a data warehouse that you have on your end because unique identifiers do change and they change more often than you might think, whether it's from an acquisition or just from a, a change in data strategy internally. So I think that's that's something to point out too. Your unique ID will have to change if you do integrate to Service Cloud because it'll end up being that Salesforce um, lead or contact ID. So it, it will have to change. But to Stephen's point, you don't have to lose all of that um, information. Cole, anything else? Um, yeah, just, I, I mean, people kind of get um, a little phased out by the um, term sub-key migration because generally we, we view it as not a, a super pleasant process, but the fact of the matter is like, you know, there's a couple of steps that you just, you, you will have to go through a sub-key migration since as, as Bobby just pointed out, those, those IDs will be, you know, persistent from service cloud. Now, when we actually do that, there's a couple of different ways that, that we can do that. We can do a, a full-blown subscriber key migration where Salesforce goes in and, you know, looks to um, uh, do an actual migration and stitch in the, the you know, the, the personal history of those different contacts. Um, or there's, you know, that requires downtime, um, which is which is the painful issue in, in that part of the process. Or there's sort of the, you know, air quotes sub key migration, which is um, where we're basically pulling out those contacts, letting Service Cloud put in the the new contacts, and making sure that we're not duplicates because essentially those are the, are the same contacts. They're just now coming in from Service Cloud, and so we want to pull those out, and that's where you you lose history, but you don't have the the downtime. So, uh, but I, I honestly, I, I think generally speaking, um, it's a sooner than later type of an issue, I would say. I, I would suggest getting in as early as possible, solving for it and doing a sub subscriber key migration. It's one of those things that I see a lot of people push off and off and um, you know, six months in a year, it still needs to be done. Uh, it just becomes more and more painful at that point because you're losing more and more data or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. For sure. And I think the the benefits you'll see from integrating to Service Cloud too, like Steven had mentioned earlier, the um, the data integration between the two, but also being able to do things like suspend messages going to people who are currently have a support case open, or um, maybe it's a follow-up based off of a case that's been closed or creating a task based on something that someone does within Journey Builder. There's all kinds of really cool integrations and features as part of that. Right. So I think you'll really enjoy it after the pain of migrating. Yeah, it's an, it's an immediate growing pain, but then after that, mm -hmm. it's actually much more features and benefits, so. Yeah. yeah. Next question. What do you find is the best way to pull our employee list to send internal all staff emails through Email Studio? Currently, we have a data extension that pulls emails from our employee management system that gets refreshed. Cole, we'll start with you. Um, so there, well, I, I'm making sure I'm understanding the question properly. We're pulling emails for only internal sends. Mm -hmm. And if they currently have a data extension that pulls emails from our employee management system that gets refreshed, I guess we don't know um, 
how it's being pulled, if it's through an integration or if it's done manually. Yeah, I think initially I, I, I would say that, you know, you, it sounds like you're doing it the right way. Um, if there's a way you could automate that integration, if it is manual today, that'd probably be the be better way of going about it. Yeah, I, I wonder too, if this, if this is something that like new employee emails or new people are being added to certain lists uh, extensively, in which case, um, you know, maybe just a, a simple file drop can update, update that uh, daily. Um, and maybe that's, you know, what, what we have actually in place already. Or this is something that sounds like it might be being added manually, in which case just setting up a file drop would probably solve the, you know, most of the issue of, of getting our emails in properly. Yeah, I think another another area too that folks sometimes forget about is that you can leverage what's called a script activity within Automation Studio to where we can actually call out to a particular service or platform to pull data as well. So if you've got someone on your team or some a consultant or contractor that you work with that knows JavaScript, they can create one of these script activities to call out to that employee management system. Um, if you guys don't have the bandwidth or the resources to build a file integration from that employee management system in the marketing cloud. Yeah. All I can add to that guys is, is just, you know, as far as data integration in general, you know, there's, there's the API to insert information into marketing cloud. There's obviously file drops as well. Um, in terms of which I would use, I mean, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking that the, the email addresses are not going to be a super dynamic data set. You know, it's not going to change all the time. There's not going to be the need for real time updates as such. And therefore, I'm sure file drop would be sufficient over API. Um, if the information lived in salesforce.com and there was an integration via Marketing Cloud Connect, that could be interesting because then you could kind of pull that information dynamically and say, well, you know, let me search all my users that are currently active and that mm -hmm. have a company name of this and what have you. And then obviously, you can kind of dynamically pull that every morning to give you that up-to-date view. So that would be another option. Yeah, absolutely. Any other questions, feel free to throw them into the chat. Oh, we just got another one. I manage a customer lifecycle marketing for a news publisher. I want to be able to automatically and immediately trigger send an email to subscribers who have read an article on our website. This follow-up email should have a deeper level of content relating to the author or subject that they have just read on the website. How can we do this in marketing cloud? What are our options? Cole, I'll start with you. Yeah, so it sounds like this is, uh, I would assume this is not, not just a particular article, but probably, you know, a number of articles where we want to just kind of scale this out to when they read, you know, article X or Y or Z, whatever, where we're following that up with um, this, you know, kind of behavior-based trigger. Um, the the first thing that comes to mind, there's probably multiple things to do this. And, and you know, three or four years ago, um, we were probably using you know, a partner or we're using some sort of like almost an abandonment feature in PI or something. But now we have uh, Interaction Studio. And so I, I like the very first solution that comes to mind is is Interaction Studio, where we're triggering any of these uh, results based on uh, what they've read, uh, maybe, you know, an affinity for, um, you know, how, uh, you know, what, what types of products or services they're looking at in general, additional product or, or service or content recommendations. Um, but then as well, um, I, I think there's uh, additional features in, in Interaction Studio that really lend themselves well to this, where it may just be that they, they've glanced over an article and maybe that's not necessarily the trigger as opposed to, you know, going a certain le uh, 
you know, depth into it or something like that, where that's actually a, a real read as opposed to glancing over it because it was, you know, something uh, you know, on the homepage or, or, you know, you just happen to have uh, clicked through briefly. And so there's a little more like rules based and things like that, that allow us some freedom with interaction studio. But um, yeah, so this for me is the, you know, very immediate uh, solution is interaction studio. And that's not just necessarily an upsell. It's just because interaction studio will do this as well as once we start implementing it, we're going to find out that other trigger based or other behavior based triggers or other, you know, features and concepts will actually lend themselves really well to additional journeys that may come from this. It's the timeliness for me as well, because I'm just reading this question here um, and it says automatically and immediately trigger send the email. So I like uh, what you said a minute ago, which was, you know, five, 10 years ago, we were looking at a different solution here, which could have been a Google Analytics or even like an Omniture that was tracking this information and you would get a file into Marketing Cloud like the next day. <laughs> so you're limited to, hey, here's what you were looking at yesterday. Um, but with something like Interaction Studio, it is that more kind of immediate um, response, which I think makes all the difference. Yeah, absolutely. I love Interaction Studio. I'm glad Salesforce acquired it. Bobby Excellent. got to say that for the record. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love all Salesforce acquisitions, especially Calligraphy Cloud. <laughs> uh, um, before we go, we just have a couple of minutes left. I'm uh, going to put you guys on the spot a little bit, and I'll, I'll kick it off. But um, what uh, what's your favorite solution that you've seen implemented within Marketing Cloud? And my, my favorite one is... Uh, we've been working with a golf company for a long time who helps distribute and sell tee times at local golf courses. And they integrated to the weather channel API. So that way they could get um, weather forecasts for every geo that they work with. And that way they're only sending tee times to people where it's the weather is good enough to play golf that day or the next day. And they're suppressing folks where it's raining or anything like that. So um, pretty cool. Uh, and then Cole, what about you? Uh, you actually stole mine because we uh... <laughs> <laughs> may have worked on that one together. <laughs> um, but it's it's a it's a really cool um, customer that's that's been working on that, and and they're 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 the same customer that that has been kind of pushing the limits of what these products and solutions can do for like the longest time. So it's it's just. I, I think for me, it's more of a concept of like, it's really exciting being with somebody that says like, you know, can we push this a little bit? Can we, let's not necessarily think about in, you know, in terms of the limitations of the product. I kind of touched on this a little bit yesterday, but it's the approach of like, what's the coolest thing we could do from the end user perspective? And then how can we back the products into using this? A lot of the times they're not using, you know, custom code or anything like that. It's just stuff that we can configure mostly out of the box or with some pretty cool integrations. And then, you know, run from there so it's really exciting kind of seeing that that type of work yeah and it's funny you mentioned weather because one of my favorites um was working with a um a hotel chain who would send pre-stay emails featuring a, an enormous array of information about not only the location that you're going to but also what's happening in the area on that particular day and the weather and and kind of a huge amount of oh, rich metadata cool. like which was so cool 
But um, for me personally, because I'm a bit of a nerd as well, I love doing anything that pushes like the technical limitations of Salesforce Marketing Cloud, even if it doesn't seem super impressive to the person that receives the email, if I know that I've had to do something crazy to get it to work, um, that gives me a buzz as well. So recreating campaigns in Sales Cloud as data extensions in the marketing cloud and creating that as a 24-hour daily sync so that every campaign has a corresponding data extension in the marketing cloud that you can then use for a whole number of cool things that don't support campaigns natively. So anyone who's tried to work with that kind of setup will know, you know, how complex that might be, but I loved doing that. So if anyone would like to find out more about that, you can email me. Awesome. Well, cool, Stephen. Thank you very much for going through this, everyone. Thanks for the questions and the engagement. We really appreciate it. Thanks again. Hope you guys have a great rest of the conference. Talk to you soon. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys.